0: The corn grows high for a very specific reason in our old Kentucky home, so we can make bourbon. Well, I guess you can eat the corn, but why waste it when you could make a fine type of whiskey with it instead? Today we had 50 episodes we meals celebrating bourbon, so come in and have a drink. <laughs>
1: to have a drink. A show where you learn along with us about the glorious drink called beer. I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
2: I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> and I'm Casey Kasem.
0: <laughs> I always kind of wait
3: We're for that. We're capped down the
0: hits. So what do you say? you say? We take a letter. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's the way it goes.
0: Casey from from Hiccup Lane. Hiccup
4: right Lane.
0: So, so Casey. I, saying, I drank way too much today.
4: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I apologize for all the Listeners, that I am already super intoxicated by the time we get on the show.
2: <laughs> he's already I mean, been drinking a lot of whiskey, and now he's going to drink a lot more.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: this is—I'm just so excited about our 50th episode, guys. Yeah, 50 <laughs> episodes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's woo! nuts. That, first of all, like that's ugh. hey, when
2: you're when you're going every other week, that that's it's kinda, actually yeah, a, <laughs> yeah. it's a, a, a lot.
0: So, yeah. Uh, What's everybody been doing?
4: Uh,
2: Well, I think Casey's been drinking.
4: Yeah, so today I had a whole lot of sangria. (laughs) I've been switching over a little bit more toward mixed drinks for the summer. And uh, so we did a sangria today with some white grape juice, some uh, box wine. Wine in a box. (laughs) Wine in a box. And uh Boxed some... box
0: one <laughs> Yep.
4: <laughs> so we did that and uh, went to the pool, and I am wasted at this point. Uh, I finished off with uh, uh, Westbrook um, from North Carolina, a little gosa. And then recently they had their um, key-, key lime gosa, which is really good. It's very sour, but it's really good.
3: Hmm. Uh,
2: delicious. We got to have the, uh, Abita. the Abita Key Lime Gosa last night. Oh. It was, it was alright. It wasn't as good as their other fruit beers that we'd tried. It, no. it,
1: it was more um, tart than getting any of the fruit,
4: honestly.
2: Yeah, there was like no, no liminess really to it. So, for mine, it was
4: like drinking straight lime juice. Like that lime mm. juice out of the fake... Oh, lime, the little container. plastic lime
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah, the little fake plastic. The container is fake. Is
4: yeah. It just like it's
0: just like a, it's a dream, so you <laughs> imagine it there. Or... Exactly. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know. No, from the uh, plastic lime. Hmm. So it had sort of that oh, flavor to it.
0: That, that thing.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I
0: I will say I did have something pretty pretty special last night. Uh, a friend of mine had been sitting on. Uh, sitting on a bomber of Woot Stout for, like, oh, a year Oh, I saw that check-in, yeah. Mm. And uh, it it aged well.
1: I would imagine, yeah.
0: It was actually really good. Uh,
1: that stuff's amazing.
0: Like, there was, like, five or six of us trying to drink out of it, so we're all, like, taking, like, tiny pours. We're <laughs> like, okay, no, no, it's fine. Well, I do have a little bit left over, and then, like, five glasses just shoot for it. I'll take some.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always a thing. Yeah, Woot's
4: got that nuttiness to it. It's got the... Either, pecans or something and i can't
2: remember what it is um yeah well, it, yeah it's, it it's is, pecans it's like, or walnuts
1: yeah something like that
2: yeah that is delicious yeah um, i'm sitting on a bottle of last year's i had the chance to get buy a bottle of the year before but i passed on it i can't remember why i feel like an idiot <laughs> <sighs>
0: yeah this uh they break this out when like everyone decided to bring some stuff down to uh to you know like oh i found some of this well i've got some of this and i'm just looking around going god we all need to like schedule this better <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds kind of like uh what happened with us so again another weekend another beer release uh we were because we have a problem down at listerman <laughs> where we tend to always be now and it Is was it your the... new braxton no it's just that they do a lot of Straight out the door releases. They just bypassed distribution. They're like, no, we're going to sell it right out the front door. But this was for uh, the Team Fiona beer, which is for the Baby Hippo, which is freaking adorable. They had quite the line and not enough beer, as tends Mm. to be the case.
0: As as happens with releases.
2: Yeah, uh, the first people in line got there at midnight completely overestimating how early they needed to was, be there. Yeah,
0: two, these two chicks got there
1: at midnight, and we're, everybody's like, what? Yeah,
2: they, <laughs> they had no idea what was going on either. Like, they weren't there because they are huge beer fans. They were there. They're huge
0: hippo fans.
2: <laughs> because they, it was a big thing. It's been on the news for weeks, and they were like, oh, this, this is going to be the thing to do. And they just showed up to do it and be around yeah. it. And no one... So it was really funny to watch, because we all know what happens at bottle releases or just at beer releases, there's a massive bottle share that happens in line, which isn't 100% legal. No, it shouldn't be. Then no. the news cameras show up and we're all standing around <laughs> oh with drinks goodness. in our hand and they cannot figure out for the life of them why no one will be on camera. <laughs> and they turn like, as soon as the cameras start rolling the entire line, like the whole group of us, everyone suddenly turns around and has something way more interesting to be looking at. <laughs> Everyone's just like, nope, not of, back. Like, just, just casual whistling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one like That's the, the best. best. The <laughs> only people that would talk to him in line were those girls in the very front, because they weren't drinking. They weren't there to drink, despite the amazing beers being passed around right behind them. <laughs> but that
1: that did end a little bit after um, the second news crew got there, because um, those two guys in that the in crowd over there with the the sharing and whatnot were chugging, like, they cut the can at the end and did, like, the can chug thing on camera. <laughs> like, behind Jason, um, his interview, like, the guy from Listerman, his interview. It was kind of great. Um, <laughs> but they, yeah, And, like, one guy chugged a gosa, and I was just like, what are you even doing?
2: Getting some Gatorade at him. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll just run through some quick highlights of uh, things passed around. Some Julius from Treehouse, absolutely delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tart Side of the Moon from Vivant. Uh, that a sour stout, and that was a purposefully soured stout that is amazing. That was the first one I've had that I really liked. Yeah. Uh, some heady topper was floating around. Da, 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 da,
1: da. We brought the uh, the brewery's um, guava libre, which instantly got just that was drained.
2: Everyone just like yeah, chugged that thing and then went. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had Everybody's some. about the brewery. <laughs> uh, pentagram from Surly. Yeah, which
1: by you have to say the so the ABV on the pentagram is six point six six percent.
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then working to what was my favorite one, uh, Mac Wizard from Vivant.
1: Oh yeah, that's a Scotch one.
2: It smelled and tasted like the pediest Scotch you've ever had in your life. Oh,
3: I mean, Look it is smoke.
2: <laughs> straight no. up in Lagavulin beer. Yeah. Nope. But yeah. it's a it was a Scotch barrel aged quad that was absolutely uh, delicious. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. I mean, I'm just to break into to H W Bush,
0: not gonna do it. Yeah. Not gonna, <laughs> gonna do it.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but there, I mean, I could sit here talking about the rest of the beers we had this morning on and on, but it did require me? I remember how was the before. Before. Do what? How was the before? Oh. Um, it was actually good. It's good. Uh it wasn't like piled on with fruit or anything like that. It was just a good solid
1: It was it was juicy but also still hoppy at the end. It was interesting.
2: Yeah, I was I was really happy. I was afraid they were just gonna juice it up, considering the what's it's gonna be such a popular beer for them. Yeah, the clientele that was drinking it. Yeah, but they they went real like basic with the recipe. They didn't flare it up just because they did that last week and he even said that he's like no we were doing two you know a whole bunch of this real basic you know just the base beer so we want to do something real wild so they did that like strawberry milkshake one last week yeah the even
4: like the vienna beer made it to reddit and like i saw it on three different subreddits not even cincinnati related just like national international subreddits, I saw three different ones I'm sure talking about the Fiona beer.
2: Yeah, they said they got uh, orders or requests for it from all over the world. And I can imagine. They're like, it's not, the distribution is going to be like four of the main Kroger stores are going <laughs> to sell cans Monday morning and they're each getting a severely limited quantity because there was I'm a, sure. there was an incident while canning and a bunch of the beer was lost for this mm. first run.
1: But then they had a lot of cans because the, at, at one point they were even giving away, not giving away, I don't even I don't know because we didn't get one, but like they gave a pack of empty cans so like the whole top of it was off.
2: So pack, by pack you mean the, they brought out an entire pallet of topless well, yeah, cans. Yeah, like people were
1: walking away with like four oh, And then you cans. saw,
2: because they took that just straight to the back because everyone showing up extremely late that didn't stand a chance to get any. And a bunch of people who were just there to get the can and say they were there. Yeah. They just went and dropped that, and then the line like got cut in half of people who just grabbed the empty cans and left. So there was so we no were, beer in the can. It was just a can. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and with the whole top of like the the lid and everything. Yeah, it was never cut, cut off. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was never capped. Right, right, yeah. Um, gotcha. And it is, it is a fun can. It's got the Cincinnati Zoo stuff on it and um they they had a lot of merchandise for it too they had the t-shirts which we totally got because that we shouldn't have gotten and um glassware which we didn't get thank god because we don't have room and because um, they had the it was really cool it's the first time i've ever seen like they had the 16 ounce can style glass so basically a glass that looked exactly like the fiona can
0: Oh. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And you could and fit the entire, do. you can
2: yeah. fit the entire 16 ounce can into that glass.
1: So that was cool. A lot of people were getting those, but it was only like nice. one per person.
2: Yeah, a lot of weird limits. And uh, don't worry, this will this will work. Our right, next transition, we will be bringing some Fiona, Team Fiona, to Nerdtacular. If you're going to be in Salt Lake, so because I want to taste that beer. Oh yeah, you, yes. you oh, guys yeah, are you getting too.
0: I was like, it's not for you, Casey. It's for guests. Hey, <laughs>
4: listen, I'll be in Nerdtacular's 2017 Salt Lake City.
2: You will.
1: <laughs> you guys could probably taste it Wednesday night when you come up there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, speaking of that, yeah, we are, um, if you are going to be at Nerdtacular 2017, um, that's going to be June 29th, uh, which is a Thursday. Be sure to hit us up on email or social media for uh, the, the all the meetup details, uh, but we do plan on going to Uinta Brewing as soon as we get to um, Salt Lake in th- on Thursday, mm-hmm. and then um, we'll be hitting the bars that will be open <laughs> on <laughs> Sunday, which will be the July 2nd, um, before we actually head out.
4: And it is officially official, um, the new flavor additives for all flavors in beer. Came in yesterday. Oh, cool! And so they came from Germany. So I thought the twenty-five dollars for shipping was outrageous at first, (laughs) and then I realized they were coming halfway around the globe. So okay, I'm like, that that makes sense then.
3: Fair
1: enough. Yeah. So we'll either be doing less
0: than half, like me. You know.
4: Yeah, we're on the east coast. Quarter on the west coast to be halfway. Quarter way around the
0: world
1: so we'll definitely but, uh, be doing something with them but we don't do we know if we're recording it yet
2: yes we are that okay. will be our we should that will we be our to. episode we that will, will be, try to we,
0: we've made promises like this in the past <laughs> Re-
1: yeah. right and the internet was like nah
4: um <laughs> so my biggest worry is that they, they're ampules and I have to bring a syringe with us so we can make sure so they're to they're to alter a liter of beer. And we're going to be working with a, basically a third of a liter. So I have to bring a syringe with us somehow on the plane. And I don't know Checked necessarily bag. what that's Checked going to look bag. like. Are you doing the we bag? have ampules and a syringe if it's like, you know, oh yeah, I'm just going to shoot up on the way to Salt Lake. Put, it's put cool. Put that in your carry on. That should be yeah, fun. I yeah. <laughs> love that when you've got needles in the carry on. You can so, put it in right. No,
2: you can do that actually. Um, if you. You just have to have an actual medical reason. That's like Ian got yeah, a bunch doesn't. of crap for bringing all of his uh, <laughs> diabetes medication. And he's like. So we just we just need to bring Ian with us so he can bring a diabetes <laughs> uh, influence syringe. I don't think he can fly. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's, he's up, up for that yet.
1: Uh, his, we'll get him there he'll, eventually. He'll sick. Um,
2: so, yeah, we're right. going to do the off flavors tasting. It's going to be hopefully the first evening when we get there. Uh, because I don't remember last time much happening at, other than the meet and greet. So it'd be after the meet and greet. Yeah, it depends but on how much
1: time we have. It, it
2: depends on time and if Smoke Monster ends up being right. that first night. It I probably oh, will not yeah. Probably, probably is. We will not be doing anything the same night as Smoke Monster because we'll be at Smoke Monster. <laughs> well, and even if Smoke Monster lasted, you know, till like a normal time,
4: like 10 o'clock or something, and then we went to bed, you don't want to try to taste off flavors the same time you've inhaled right right
3: cigar smoke
1: makes sense
2: yeah it's gonna ruin everything
1: Um, Yeah. but yeah we'll we'll definitely again more details will be sorted out later sure um all right and then we also wanted to let everybody know that our next video episode so the uh, live stream slash youtube stuff um will be on june 18th so that's actually what next sunday And that's going to be Tasting Through the Samuel Adams Rebel IPA Pack. Um, So Mm. DiamondClub.TV, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, that'll be posted on the YouTube channel by the next day.
3: Yeah,
4: June 18th, 6 Mm p.m.
1: Woo! Then um, our next audio-only episode. So the final audio episode before we go to Nerdtacular um, is going to be on Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and that's going to be around the 27th of June.
2: So like that week. I'm suggesting when they come up here, we make that our Beer Camp episode and we oh. talk about Sierra Nevada and Beer Camp around the world. Well, if if we can get a, a box of Beer Camp, that would be amazing. There's plenty of it. It's Kroger's got it right now. So it's out now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. out. Yeah. We saw it earlier. Yeah, get a box and we'll go from there. All right. <laughs> Okay, well uh we've taken enough time for all these announcements and everything. Let's talk about some news. Uh oh. Uh so yeah. Um doing this bi weekly has been a gigantic pain <laughs> because this has been like seriously, the last two months have been the biggest news months in almost craft history. On off death of craft beer. Yeah. It's just absolute insanity because it's, it's- it's, okay, you all have to already know, first story, uh, pulled this one out of Men's Journal, but we all know what happened. Beer review site Rate Beer announced partial sale to AB InBev. <laughs> so this has started a whole soap opera of things going on. Mm. If you thought Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev, was only extending its reach into other craft, into the craft beer sector by acquiring regional independent breweries, well, you were wrong. In addition to the recent brewery acquisitions such as Wicked Weed, Devil's Backbone, and Golden Road, along with hop contracts, uh, home brewing equipment, and controversial beer-focused web magazines, AB's strategic grasp has gotten a hold of the tech space, acquiring a minority investment. There's quotes around that, in popular beer review and rating website RateBeer.com. Uh, the official announcement from Rate Beer came in the form of a message from Executive Director Joe Tucker posted on the website on Friday, June 5th. However, the deal has apparently been done since last year when the companies decided to join forces but did not wish to publicly announce the news for fear of ruffling consumers' feathers. No. Look, how would that ruffle feathers? How would hiding it for so long ruffle any feathers? Like, I feel like the, the hiding it makes it worse. So what what really confuses me at this point is
4: why would they even put out a press release or announcement on on their site? Why would they do that now? Like it's been a year. Why even yeah. say anything unless I think someone it, found out and they well, were going to go I think ah, the legalities they, they somebody had else to was going to go
2: public. Or, yeah. They had yeah, to make it, it, a public it, it statement.
0: Made, yeah. And say it could have
2: been could have been worse like someone could have made it for them. Yeah. yeah. But it's the fact that yeah. a lot of people I know are so mad about this because they tried to hide it.
4: Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, no, well, it's that- been a year. Like, we've been using, uh, the show's about a year old, a little bit over, well, about a year old. And, like, we've been using rate beer as yeah. a key part of the show for a year now. Yeah. yeah. And
2: so it, it, we've rate beer for, a sh- yeah, <laughs> we're
4: actually close to two, but,
2: yeah. But it's, it's, it's really? like a stab in the back. Mm-hmm. Nice. Is what it feels like. <laughs> And we, on the video episode, so if you guys want to check those out, (laughs) uh, on our video episode we talked about this, and we actually combed through a lot of the uh, rate beer uh, judgings, or what am I trying to get at here? (laughs) See
0: if they had had any any hands in affecting AB and Bev scores. It doesn't
2: seem to. (laughs) No. They're still, like, piss-poor ratings. (laughs) But if I were going to go and look and see that, what would I do? I would
4: probably check... You know, Budweiser, Miller Lite, Bud Light—the beers that are well known for AB and Bev. Well, now known for AB and Bev. Miller Coors is now versus by them, but um, I would, you know, say Budweiser. I would check those first, and say those are really poorly rated. That makes sense. But I'm a craft beer geek, and I'm on a craft beer geek site. Are you? What if- most times. You know, <laughs> what if uh, we haven't looked yet, but what what are the other AB and Bev
2: mm. owned beers look like? The ones that we didn't look up. Oh, yeah. You know? Like what's Wicked Weed looking like? Because right. they're, they have to be facing some backlash.
4: Well,
1: an Elysian for that matter. I mean,
2: oh,
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. What are those beers looking at? right now um and what what kind of point score are they looking at because we know you know miller coors bud they're not going to look good but miller coors bud drinkers aren't the ones that are on rate beer right now
1: no they probably don't know what it is yeah so I mean, it's, that's a horrible generalization I means, but, but yeah i, yeah. Understand.
4: Yeah, I agree if you're
1: of. drinking a one kind of beer you you also aren't going to think about going to rate it you know what i mean
4: it, yeah and so so you've got that so what what's going on on the other side are they maybe saying oh we're going to underrate are we going to show low ratings for those beers so that people don't look at those and say oh we're we're trying to push the scores up but yeah because budweiser's uh, some of them don't even have scores first off which is a little weird but second off even if it is a low score if we kind of expected it at first from beer geeks but when we look at other beers that are owned by AB InBev
2: and not necessarily low-rated, uh, I don't know. It's a little fishy there. Yeah. Yeah, so a little bit down in the article, uh, they actually explain how this went down. The announcement came three days after the website Good Beer Hunting published a tell-all article about the partnership before Rape Beer stakeholders and admins were privy to the news. According to Good Beer Hunting... So Rate
4: the- Beer... Rape Beer stakeholders were not even included on this, so no, that, that blows my mind. Stakeholders include like people that are partial owners in the
2: company. Yeah, yeah they have the deal closed in October 2016 after eight months of talks between Rate Beer and ZX Ventures. Mm. <laughs> so, so fishy. Yeah. So this whole thing um, has led to other. That's that's our first news story. We'll move into the next news story, which is just a continuation of this soap opera, <laughs> and the plot thickens. Uh, from Paste Magazine, craft breweries want their beers off rate beer after ABM Bev acquires Minority Steak. Yeah. <laughs> so there is this huge, nice message uh, that was posted from Sam Calgioni over on Beer Advocate, where he addressed how Does, it, the feel, mic. does yeah. it feel
0: so good to be <laughs> on rate beer?
2: Apparently, it does not. Um, Okay, I'll buzz buzz through. He, He did this lengthy post, but it is very good explaining exactly the thoughts and feelings before we get into the rest of the story. This was Sam's post on Beer Advocate. Hello, fellow beer advocates. I know most of you are aware of the news. We found out on Friday, I've had a number of fellow beer lovers and indie craft brewers reach out to me asking how we felt about it at Dogfish. And if we intend to react in any way to it, here is our reaction. that he posts to his big post on their blog.
0: I wish it had just been a picture of him just making a really shocked and upset face.
2: Well, like it's his. The he <laughs> has his profile picture, which is just him smiling real big with a beer in his hand. Dogfish Head has been part of RateBeer.com network for quite some time. In fact, we're fans of almost all websites, magazines, newsletters, and blogs that help educate the public and inspire the consumption of great beer. Publications that are passionate about sharing the love for our vibrant craft brewing renaissance that is now gaining traction around the globe. For many years, RateBeer, along with entities like Beer Advocate, All About Beer, Draft, uh, Celebrator, Ale Street... Brewing News, and many more have championed this burgeoning and blossoming craft beer community in ways that are consistent with journalistic, uh, with journalistic integrity, which I apparently don't have. We were troubled by the announcement last week, that ZX Ventures, which is fully owned by the global conglomerate Anheuser-Busch, InBev, has purchased a portion of rape beer. We believe this to be a direct violation of the Society of Professional Journalistic Code of Ethics and a blatant conflict of interest. The SPJ's code uh, of ethics includes a section called "Act Independently" and includes the following guidelines. We're not going to get into the guidelines, but he is basically laying it out. No, it's it's not impartial <laughs> mm. <laughs> anymore. Like there is no way. So he has officially asked to be re- have Dogfish Head removed from rape Beer. All anything Dogfish has done to be pulled off and. They responded and said no. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so if I were the
4: owner of a company that was called Rate Have a Drink Show. <laughs> well, Let's just sure. call it this. There
0: sure. are all the other Have a Drink Shows out there that need to be rated.
4: Right. Exactly. And so I, I own this company called Have a Drink Show. And somebody else that has a show called Have a Drink Show says, Hey, you should take my show off of your website. And I say, no, there's there's no legal recourse for that. Right. I, I basically can say whatever I want as long as it's truthful to a certain extent or allow other people to say whatever they want um, about whatever topic we're talking about. And there's nothing that can be said against it. Um, so these breweries that are saying, oh, yeah, take me off of there, there's nothing. I mean, it, it's all – pandering. It's all...
0: It's it's all making themselves look better, because there's... there's exactly. You know, they're they're not going to do it. it it's...
2: Yeah. yeah. It's it's showing the resistance to what's happening in the craft yeah. world. But they're mm-hmm. showing uh, some of the breweries who have stepped up and asked to be removed, aside from Dogfish Head, are Harpooned, Black Project Ale, Prison City, and one of the Holy Grails of Belgium, Cantillion get on yeah Cantillon. so
4: uh harpoon is the one that actually surprised me out of this because for the longest time I thought harpoon was actually uh oh. ABM Bev yeah I did too here. yeah
1: they're owned by Guinness <laughs>
4: I think they are I don't remember which is Guinness yeah I think so no Guin- I think Guinness is owned by a different like maybe like, kind of a similar structure as uh Corona I don't think they're a Corona-owned
2: company, or a, but I think they're kind of like similarly sized. Oh. So six point, it, I guess they've kind of joined arm in arm with Dogfish against Rate Beer, but there's nothing they can. Rate Beer's response is simply, "Hey, it's a user, user-generated site. Like people just they put the beers in, they vote them up, however they're going to vote them. So they claim." <laughs> And whether or not it stays uh, that way <laughs> diageo so diageo owns guinness okay
0: yeah i don't think anybody owns harpoon
1: yeah i was looking that up i guess not That's a all weird. right i was thinking well, they were owned by somebody
0: oh well Not even people who own a harpoon own a harpoon exactly
2: <laughs> so yeah rate beer has decided nah <laughs> we're not gonna go with your wishes so like this is just as casey was saying pandering They're just making themselves look as good as possible. They're just like, Hey, look at us. We resist buyouts. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's, it's a big game. So
4: my, what's likely to be my future brother-in-law. And I were talking earlier today. We were, you know, drinking a lot of, uh, mixed drinks and, uh, swimming around in the pool. Sangrias. Yes. Um, (laughs) And so we were hanging out, and, and we were talking about what the future of, of basically the alcohol industries is going to look like here in the next 10 to 20 years. And he, he's very much on the same page that, first off, what we're going to talk about today, bourbon is sort of on the downtrend. I don't think bourbon is necessarily going to be growing over the next 10 years. And there are other drinks that are on the uptrend. But it's all about marketing. And that's the bad part. It, it's not about what types of liquors you do. It's not about the the flavors and the, the how good it tastes. It's about the marketing behind it. And if you've got a good marketing team, if you've got a good PR team, that's what really matters in the national market and the international market currently and not really the quality, I think.
2: Mm. Yeah, and the thing to talk about bourbon real quick since you brought it up is you know, when you're aging a product like that, it, we've had this massive upsurge in it, so in the next 10 years, there is going to be a massive amount of bourbon to hit the market. It is yeah. going to be insane, and that's going to drop all the prices. Like It's going to crash. Well, we were
4: talking, and I, I don't know if this is the appropriate time to talk about it or not, but we were talking about the um, Kentucky market specifically. And so in Kentucky... Uh, legislation just passed a law that allowed basically private owners of liquor collections. So e- even if I own one bottle of a really good bourbon, um, I'm, I'm considered a private owner or a, a private collection owner. I, as long as it's a really good, like not, not just your standard, you know, we're not talking about Maker's Mark or Woodford Reserve standard. Um, we're talking about special bourbons, you know, mm. something that's really good, something that's really kind of sought after. Some pappy. So if, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I didn't want to jump into what our topic's going to be so quickly, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm glad you said that. So pappy Van Winkle's or things like that, things that you've got to stand in line for basically to get. Um, so if if I own a bourbon like that, what used to happen is there had to be this black market out there. And you were paying a little bit extra because it was kind of illegal for you to go out there and buy this bourbon off of somebody that wasn't inside the three-tier market. So traditionally, you've got the the maker, the distributor, and then the like final the candlestick maker. Yeah, I the, knew it was the coming. Distributor and candlestick <laughs> maker. Uh, you you had like your your your. So let's just say it's Pappy Van Winkle. So you had your distillery, then you had a distributor. And then you had your liquor store. And once it made it through that process, basically the liquor store sells it to a consumer and that's the end of it. Or the distributor sells it to a restaurant and then the restaurant is like the the final retailer and they sell it by the glass to a, uh, you know, whoever wants to go and buy a glass of Pappy Van Winkle. Now Kentucky has passed this law that allows Kentuckians to sell their bottles of Pappy Van Winkle, you know, just me. I can sell a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle to a restaurant and it's perfectly legal now. Or it will be in a, like about a month. It'll be illegal. And so – and let me go ahead and say this. Do not take legal advice from the Have a Drink podcast. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> – but, uh, Don't ask us. I'm don't doctor. ask us. Use your own uh, judgment and, and hire a lawyer. But in a in a month or two, it will be illegal for you to sell your rare bourbons directly to a restaurant. And the problem is that this black market, gray market, whatever you want to call it, has now had the bottom drop out of it. Hmm. And so, bottles of Pappy Van Winkle that used to be $800, $900 a bottle, you know, I would go to the liquor store and buy it for $150, $200, $200 a bottle and sell it for $800 a bottle to a restaurant in the black market. Now, those are getting more and more readily available. And they're becoming, you know, $500, $600 instead of, or even $350 instead of the $800, $900 a bottle. And so the, the black market's kind of died down and the price of Pappy has really kind of taking a nosedive and it's not even legal yet for you to buy a bottle of papilla on that market it's just the anticipation that this is coming it, it, they know it's happening in the next month or two and so with having that knowledge people are saying oh no you know we've got a couple bottles in in storage we'll charge what we're normally charging and in a couple months we'll just buy a few more once it's legal
0: yeah yeah they're they're, they're hanging on to existing stock and trying to just Find an easier, cheaper way, and just you know, make it do. Yeah,
4: make
2: through. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get more into our bourbon discussion, <laughs> uh, one more quick story, a couple of quick ones here. But uh, this is another buyout or sellout. Bum bum bum. Actually, it's bum, not that bad. Bum, bum. Uh, the brewery takes on private equity with cash. Castania partners. I don't know private equity firm. I've never heard. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen these base. Yeah, I've, uh, the the Massachusetts based company. Yep. Yeah. Uh, today, uh, California based the brewery announced that they are partnering with Newton, Massachusetts based Castina. Castania. Castania partners that yeah that right there Uh, the brewery is still a relatively small operation after nine years a few years ago the brewery split into two units with the wild and sour arm of the brewery known as brewery teru teru Uh, then just this year the brewery started releasing india pale ales as offshoot beer company according to founder patrick rue there are still unrealized ideas that being said ru is going uh the private equity route so that's i'm cool that's with fine. this that yeah. founders did that dogfish I don't, head did it yeah i i don't understand why more companies don't just look for private equity firms to help them grow and expand so because yeah, private equity if... will you can buy it back later like if yeah. they've seen a good return on their investment and they can still make more money from you buying it back they'll be like sure <laughs>
4: So I don't, I don't, I don't remember what I've said in the past, (laughs) but if a brewery kind of sells a third or a little bit less, whatever it is that's right up to the legal limit of their brewery to, or their business to a private equity firm and adjust enough to make them not craft breweries, you know, Like, just right over the limit. Say, uh, I I don't know what it is. It's less than half. But um, whatever the the percentage is, say it's 35%. If I sell 40% of my brewery to a private equity firm, and then it becomes a not-craft brewery technically at that point, but yet I'm still in control of it as the master brewer, what's the difference at that point?
2: Yeah, that's that's the murky water. I I know
4: for those that are listening to this show and have been long-term listeners – I'm not somebody that normally says what's the big deal with selling out but that's me <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's well, Bob that usually says or Justin that usually says hey what's the big deal you know let them make money uh, but if if you still have control of your brewery and somebody else just has given you money then maybe maybe that's not the worst idea ever you know I,
0: in fairness it, it, it I'm actually much cooler with the the private equity version of it because it's like, yeah, no, you still get to keep doing yeah. all your same stuff.
4: Yeah. yeah. So why isn't why isn't the the craft brewery definition uh, as long as you own 51% of your brewery uh, as a, a brewer or a distiller or whatever you know, as long as you're a craft person and you own 51%, why can't 49% of the money come from some other fund source
0: hmm. i don't know i don't make these rules
4: <laughs> <laughs> well if if sam adams sold 49 percent of their business to some other fund source they sold it to me <laughs> i'm sure that we would have this rule change
2: in the next year or two yeah
0: that's true
2: so yeah all that right, guys
0: need to buy 49 percent of sam adams let's go
2: <laughs> all right i've got that laying around no yeah, problem yeah. So, I think that's going to wrap us up on news, and we do, after having to scrape it together, there are some new untapped badges.
3: Yay. Get ready, riggity
2: Casey already is.
1: Authenticity there.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, Oh, geez, Rick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, our first one. I I think I seem to always get this one when they have badges. Uh, Speaking of ABN, Bev, um, Blue Point. So, it's the Blue Point Toasted Lager, which I hate to admit I actually liked. Um, toasted Lager was originally named for the toasted characteristics of Blue Point's original Direct Fire Brick Kettle. These characteristics, derived from the six specialty malts, led to an amber lager that is perfectly balanced and pairs with just about anything. By the month of June, Blue Point is asking you to give toasted lager a chance with buffalo wings. To unlock give the, toast a chance. <laughs> to unlock the Blue Point Toasted Wings Badge. Simply check into one Blue Point Toasted Lager between June 1st and the 30th. So basically, you get a, the whole month. Yeah, that The picture looks fun, and it just makes me want wings, really.
2: No, we just had wings. Yeah, I, I want all the wings. <laughs> it makes you want them again.
1: Yeah. And it, it, yeah, a lager would probably, would go pretty well with that. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember trying that beer at Oktoberfest, and I was like, damn it, this is good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, next up, uh, we have... A PC Pills badge from Founders. Mm. To be easy to earn this badge, the days grow warmer. Pleasantly crisp and profoundly crushable, Founders PC Pills takes on uh, the classic Pilsner style and its perfect, refreshing summer beer. Uh, <clears throat> while Noble Hops are typical uh, for pilsners, or, uh, Pilsner brewers around the world, Founders uh, went with some, uh, some of their American varieties. Piney Chinook... Uh, Citrus Cascade and Punchy Centennial Hops uh, integrate beautifully and make this an easy drinker with floral characteristics. Try out this Pilsner. Check into one Founders PC Pils between June 5th and July 5th and you can unlock the Founders PC Pils badge. Man, you you, can drink this all 4th of July.
3: Hmm.
4: So, I've already got this badge. I got this badge today when I saw the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else in the, the so we're we're spending this weekend in uh one of our my in-laws houses and they had PC pills in the fridge and I was like I'm just going to drink this to get the badge you know <laughs> I just grabbed it out of the fridge so I could check into it and I don't check into a whole lot of things you badge whore out. yeah it was just <laughs> one badge one beer and got you the badge and I was like founders, yes, it's founders it's whatever
0: you know it was easy <laughs> yeah and it's hot out, so
4: mm-hmm. yeah, it's it not going to be Yeah, good. it was very good at the beer, at the uh, pool. It was a at very good pool. beer. Yeah. Um, so uh, this next beer comes from Vedette, and I'm going to admit I had no idea what the Vedette brewery was.
1: Yeah, right, I'm right there um, yeah, with you. Yeah, new
4: to me. Still don't think I've ever had anything from them, But go to their website on a laptop immediately because their website is a laptop.
0: I can't do it on my computer.
4: I don't know what it looks like on a phone or (laughs) a computer or whatever. But on on a standard, it's great. um, No, it's great. Chrome browser. Now I have to go. It came up with some selection (laughs) Ah. pieces that were like 95 windows. Yeah. And they cracked me up. No, so the site is out. amazing. Yeah. So, Vedette says, we want your face. In a world of social media, viral videos, and memes, everyone wants their five minutes of fame. With Vedette, a classic Belgian brand featuring extra blonde, extra white, extraordinary IPA, you can have just that. Head over to their website, submit a photo of yourself. Your pool party, your frisbee catching dog, or anything within reason, and it could end up on the label of your favorite Vedette beer. We're doing this tomorrow. Like when we go to the, <laughs> the pool tomorrow morning, we're doing this. Sure. <laughs> so after you're done dropping mm-hmm. your favorite label worthy photo off at Vedette, why not enjoy one of their beers and unlock the brand new badge? Check into one Vedette extra blonde, extra white or extra ordinary between July seventh. Or sorry, June seventh and July seventh. And the Verdette Once Your Face badge is yours. I've never seen this beer that I remember, uh, but uh, this is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely want to try some. I keep
0: spinning this bottle on their website.
2: Yeah, I was just sitting there <laughs> spinning that bottle forever. Little,
1: the weird little fat beer bottles. Like I've never seen these <laughs> oh. ever.
2: Uh, the, the, the bottle shape does remind me of another yeah, and I can't what it is. I've seen the bottle shape <laughs> before, but I don't think I've ever seen that brand. All right, so we're pushing ourselves on time, but I think we actually have a topic. Lagavulin Neat. Clear alcohols are for rich women on diets. I thought that the clear
1: alcohol thing made sense.
2: <laughs> well, the it's they're course. not that drunk doesn't make a lot of sense because... Well, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
4: I've lost my hiccups, finally. Uh, He
0: drank
2: through the hiccups. I drank through the hiccups.
0: Now his stomach muscles are just too drunk to
2: care. (laughs) But now uh, I think we're going to start off with a quick clip. Yes. uh... Yeah, let's talk about the words here, because you got scotch. I know bourbon is a thing. Yeah, let's hit this. So real
0: quick. The way that you describe, remember, it was vehicle,
1: whiskey, just means whiskey. Whiskey, right? yeah, got okay. it.
0: So h- how you call it, it either has to do with where it's from, Yeah. so scotch
1: can't be called scotch unless it's from Scotland, or it has to do with the grain recipe. Now, so,
4: yeah. So, yeah. And although bourbon is technically about where it's from and the grain recipe.
0: No. Well, ish. No, it's yes. it's, it's American. American.
2: No, it has to be from Kentucky. We are stating <laughs> this loud and proud right now from us four Kentuckians. If you're drinking something that calls itself bourbon and isn't from Kentucky, it's a sham. So, yes, the bourbon may be from other states, but the
4: best bourbon is from Kentucky. Yes. And there is
2: a and
1: reason for that. No matter what, it. though, bourbon does have to be American.
2: It America. Does.
4: So here's what Liquor.com says. Bourbon must be made from... Number one, a mash that is at least 51% corn. The rest of the mash may be made up of rye, wheat, malted barley, you know, other, other additional things, but basically it has to be 51% corn.
0: I'm just saying this is the easiest way to get your body to digest corn.
4: <laughs> Certainly not those little yellow kernels shooting at the back end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while most bourbon today is still made in Kentucky, and I'm going to amend that and say... The best bourbon today is made in Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, can, we don't know.
0: There's there there might be some some bourbon out there we've never even heard of. We did have the one from uh, Cleveland that was
1: actually we've had, really good. Yeah, we've the cherry one. wood thing, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just saying.
4: The best hmm. around.
0: Simply the best. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no other bourbon is going to let you down. Oh, um, so it can legally be made anywhere in the United States however. The spirit's beautiful amber color comes from the wood that it's aged in for at least at least two years, oh, two years in a barrel, while the alcohol volume climbs to a minimum of forty percent. Uh, and it says climbs, but it goes into Actually, the barrel much higher
2: than that. It climbs down. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. climbing down. They didn't say which way it was climbing, so okay there we go uh
4: all american whiskeys are distilled from fermented mash a mixture so if you hear sour mash so sour mash is basically all bourbon distilleries and sour mash just basically means that they have reduced the ph of the mash enough to where really bad bacteria is not going to grow there Um, or so that, uh, they've reduced it enough, similar to beer, how you want to reduce it low enough to where the conversion of the starches and everything happens. Um, all of your uh, chemical reactions happen at a good rate at that level of pH. So sour mash, all bourbon should be basically sour mash. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but it should be because of the, um, way that the, the bourbons kind of fermented and the way it's made. But um, the fermented mash mixture of grain and water without any coloring or flavor additives, which is uh, kind of a little unlike Scotch or Cognac whiskey, American whiskey must be, by law, a aged whiskey. in new charred oak barrels, no more than 160 proof or 80% alcohol by volume. So we take our new oak barrels, since we have a lot of wooding in the States. We... Can send our used charred oak back over to Europe to be used in whatever method they want to over there. But in the states, sc- a lot of scotch
0: gets made out of used bourbon barrels. Yes, exactly enough. right. In fact, maple most. syrup,
4: uh, Canadian whiskey uh, yeah. can be made probably in in those types of barrels. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Canadian whiskey is made in maple uh, using maple syrup. <laughs>
2: And so, yeah, it should Delicious. be like that's the way it should be. <laughs> we also sell the uh, syrup
0: and rye. That's that's what you, that's these the way it goes.
2: Bourbon barrels go. What uh, tequila makers like? They oh. buy a bunch of it. Uh, yep. Tabasco. All Tabasco is aged okay. in bourbon barrels. Well, then of yeah, course, absolutely. not to mention Even the bourbon barrel beer. Kind of, <laughs> yeah.
4: Even the secondary wine market can use a bourbon barrel to a certain extent, because the oak is. Um, I don't know what the good word for it is, but I, I want to say it's kind of bleached out of it. Like, you've mm, used yeah, enough yeah. enough alcohol to kind of leach all the flavors out. And, Hell, I, uh, I,
0: I, I age myself in bourbon barrels every <laughs> night. I just climb into a barrel, and that's where I sleep. You're like the
4: Nesferatu of bourbon. <laughs> is that like the... Uh,
0: I want that in a comic so badly right
4: the now.
2: The <laughs> bourbon barrel... Aged bourbon barrel age thing we saw. Yo, dog. We heard you liked <laughs> bourbon
1: b- b- barrel aging. No, no. Yeah, I'm so saying. would Be barrel.
2: drunk, for drunk for, Yes. No. This would be
1: Rattu. a comic so bad.
4: So, uh, in order to be classified as classified as a straight whiskey, must be aged for at least two years. Um, I think at least four years is not a good place. You know, Four years and above is where you need to start. It, yeah. it says to be straight, you need to be at least two years. I think four years and better is, is mm. where you really need to buy your whiskey. But um, American whiskey entails rye, rye malt, malt, wheat, bourbon, corn, Tennessee whiskey. All those can kind of fall into the bourbon category if they meet the classifications. Mm. They can. That are However,
0: mentioned. Jack Daniels <laughs> is not bourbon.
4: No. So Jack Daniels, if it did not filter through charcoal, could technically be called uh, bourbon whiskey. But because they filter through charcoal, it's sort of like an additive and they can't be called bourbon whiskey at that point. And so they don't they don't even attempt to call themselves. Yeah, they don't I have, yeah. they at
0: least don't I, have I have things to say about Jack Daniels that require that require a video show's level of, <laughs> of non censoring.
4: Which makes me sort of respect Jack Daniels. Yeah,
0: they they because never they don't say and don't do that. They don't, but they make sure to place themselves in the bourbon aisle to confuse you as much as possible. It, it's in the bourbon exactly. aisle, but it's
4: called Tennessee whiskey. So yeah. I I like I like that. Um, pure drink bourbon stripe, uh, which is what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> but often it's served in rock glasses with a few ice cubes and a splash of water. In what industry legend Jim Beam's grandson Booker No called a Kentucky iced tea. I'm just saying it's
0: a lot simpler than an L-I-T. It is. That's true.
4: Ice and whiskey. That's Kentucky iced tea. That's all you need, right? Uh, Bourbon whiskey, specifically. Uh, So, like most whiskeys, bourbon works well with club soda, ginger ale, other, you know, you could do, like, a regular soda with it. So, Mm -hmm. bourbon Bourbon and Coke goes really well together. Um, The Spirit is also a base for many classic American cocktails, Including the mint julep, the braces old mojito. fashioned, yeah, the racist mojito, uh, the old fashioned, a Presbyterian, a horse neck, a Ward 8, and a brown derby.
1: I've never heard of the Presbyterian being
4: a drink, so everything ever old fashioned. I'm like, I really want to see what
2: these ingredients are,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, this is news, okay,
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, real quick to Put it up there, go check out the modern rogue episodes where yes, they go yes, yes. to the whiskey castle, or I think it's just like the wizard's tower, well, yeah. The, which call, we
1: have linked on our website on the great resources page.
2: Yes, you need to watch all those episodes they did there. They're, They're wonderful. still putting them out. I don't know how long, like how drunk they got recording there, right?
1: Because by the third one, you're just like, Okay, guys, you're like, Jesus, guys, you've
2: been there for like five hours drinking whiskey. But But, no, that that man's amazing. But no, there is amazing information to be had out of those episodes. Much better information than we're going to give you. So stop listening to this now and go watch those videos.
1: (laughs) No, no,
0: keep listening to this now and then go watch
2: those
1: videos. We're we're going to get down and dirty with just bourbon. Like they talk about whiskey as a whole. So
0: By the way, uh, Presbyterian is uh, two ounces of scotch, uh, ginger ale, and club soda.
1: That the fine. Collins class. Interesting.
0: Moving on, we've got some history to talk about. Yes. Uh, I had a little thing from the Smithsonian on the name bourbon. Uh, associate curator of special collections at Louisville's Filson Historical Society and former archivist of for United Distilleries, situated in the heart of Kentucky bourbon country, Michael Veek believes believes <laughs> the name bourbon evolved, from, evolved in New Orleans New Orleans, New Orleans, whatever the hell you call it. New Orleans. New After two men known as the Tarascon, Tarascon brothers arrived. Terror. To, terrorists. Terrorists. Uh, <laughs> two, two men known as the Tarascon brothers arrived in Louisville from uh, the south of Cognac, France, uh, and began shipping local whiskey down the Ohio River to Louisiana's bustling port city. They knew if Kentuckians put their uh, whiskey into charred barrels, they could sell it to New Orleans uh, residents who would like it because it tasted more like cognac or French brandy. Uh, In the 19th century, uh, New Orleans...
4: Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, so this is very similar to the stories that I've heard as well. If uh, bourbon wasn't necessarily first aged in charred oak barrels, it just happened to be that... We put bourbon, a whiskey uh, of some sort, or basically a a spirit, into a barrel and sent it down the river in order to sell it to other markets. But as it made it from Kentucky down to Louisiana, it took on some of the flavors and some of the aromas of that charred oak barrel. Yeah. Mm. It just sort of, it just happened in the process Mm -hmm. of of shipping it down river. And so it wasn't necessarily a start that, hey, we're going to put it in a charred oak barrel. It was just, oh, yeah, this is just what we do. We put it in barrels so it can get somewhere. And, and, you know, the charred oak barrel wouldn't produce any sort of, um, uh, if you charred it, you sort of like got rid of the bacteria that would be in it. It Sterilized it. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sterilized it. And so you you sent it downstream in a sterilized barrel of sorts, and that sort of was the way it went.
0: Well, in the 19th century, New Orleans Entertainment District was bourbon street, as it is today. People started asking for that whiskey they sell on Bourbon Street, uh, he says, which eventually became that bourbon whiskey. Uh, Still, Veach concludes, we may never actually know who invented bourbon or even who the first Kentucky distiller was. Uh, He also wrote a book called American Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey and American Heritage. Which Which we I'm
1: totally going to put on the website, too, because I was like, ooh, we should get it. It's on (laughs) our
0: Amazon wish list now. I was like, hmm, that sounds like a good flight book. Yeah.
1: Um, Yes,
4: yeah. Is it audio? Can they read to me? Can they read (laughs) to me? Uh, I
1: wonder if it is on Audible.
0: Let's see. History.com has the influx of settlers who crossed the Appalachian Mountains in the late 1700s soon learned that Kentucky soil was perfect for growing bourbon's second main ingredient, corn, uh, uh drawn in part by Virginia's 19, uh, sorry, 19, 1776 corn, uh, corn patch and cabin rights act, which offered 400 acres to any settler who built cabins and planted it on, uh, planted corn and then, <laughs> <laughs> corn on then territory of Kentucky, immigrants of, uh, from Germany, Scotland, and north of uh, and the north of Ireland, or among those who arrived with the whiskey distilling uh, knowledge from their homelands in tow. Which to is add, where to,
4: I assume you get most of the Eastern Kentuckians with their Scotch Irish
2: descent. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, that's,
0: that's uh, like everything for the longest time. Everything east of uh, basically Virginia's border just went west.
2: They didn't know where it stopped. So <laughs> to cut in, that book is unaudible.
0: Oh, good. Good. (laughs) So you can have
2: it read to you, but also Uh, that's that's my type. I uh, can't read. (laughs) Kentucky, our home county. Actually, uh, I have a friend, a friend of all of us, uh, Patrick. His dad has done a lot of extensive research, looking up their family history, and came across the fact that the first official structure built in the county was a distillery. Should (laughs) have (laughs) been. Yep. So before they had a schoolhouse, before they had any public buildings, they had a place they had to make whiskey. Can't should live without put, liquor. Should
0: we put up a church? Church comes third. <laughs> first liquor, then something else, then, <laughs> then maybe church. church.
4: First liquor, then beer, then church.
0: <laughs> we need someone to feel guilty after we're done with the first two. Uh, <laughs> The ease of growing corn in Kentucky caused distillers who migrated from the East Coast to change their whiskey recipes. Rye was plentiful in Pennsylvania and Maryland, wild turkey master distiller Jimmy Russell says. But when the distillers came over the Appalachians, they found that corn was the dominant grains so they could uh, they could use instead of rye. Met his grandson, by the way. Just saying. <laughs> I think I remember you telling me about that. There was yeah. a big to-do or something. Uh, but, yeah. um in the By the 1780s, the distinctive style of corn-based whiskey was being distilled in Kentucky. Whiskey increased in popularity after the American Revolution, uh, as the import of rum, which had been the most popular alcoholic drink in many American colonies, slowed with the decline of the triangle trade with Great Britain. Suck it, slavery, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go
2: ahead and uh, check out our <laughs> rum episode to get more into that. And yeah. We had some fun on that episode, but there's... The history of rum is dark. Fun. We also got
0: really sad. Yeah. yeah,
2: the history of rum gets really dark, <sighs> really fast. Yeah.
0: Like it goes downhill real quick. Um, <laughs> anyway, the lingering debt from the war, however, caused the fed- the federal government to levy tax <laughs> on uh, on liquor in uh, 1791. Distillers in Maryland and Pennsylvania, and in uh, in particular, bristled to the tax and led the whiskey rebellion. Oh. W- Which was eventually uh, quelled by thousands of federal troops dispatched by President George Washington in in 1794.
2: We need to do a whole episode on those. Really do. I think we talked about it before. Just all the rebellion, because there was the rum rebellion, the whiskey rebellion. There's a few other things. I think we could have fun talking about those. Mm
0: Hmm. Uh, Whiskey historian uh, Fred Menick notes, however, that the whiskey rebellion did not spark mass migration of tax dodging distillers to Kentucky, and that the estimated pardon me, Uh, estimated 500 distillers were already operating in the state at the time. However, he notes that to prevent a similar popular uprising, Congress left whiskey largely tax-free until the Civil War, except except briefly to pay for the War of 1812.
2: They paid for an entire war by taxing just whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, War of 1812? Uh, eh, we'll tax whiskey. And then they're like, oh, God, what do we do with all the money? Stop taxing it. <laughs> what do we do with all
0: the money? Build boats. <laughs> we got to protect lakes. Um, after the Whiskey Rebellion, Congress decided not to tax tax whiskey, but they added tariffs on the rum because there was a the thought that uh, the money from run would end up getting in the hands of the British.
2: <laughs> mm. Sure. Got to keep it out of the hands of the British. So yeah, the high levies on rum and its key ingredient, molasses, contributed to soaring whiskey consumption in the early decades of the Republic. The Republic! (laughs) Kentucky's whiskey industry in particular thrived as slave labor assisted with production and distillers took advantage of the state's plethora of navigable waterways. Yeah, that's one thing people don't think about.
0: And uh, take back what I said.
2: (laughs) Isn't there like some sort of i don't know kentucky
4: trivia that kentucky has more shorelines than i don't know like hawaii or something
2: we have more shoreline if you count the you know rivers and things like that than uh, michigan or any other state yeah it's not that we have you know massive lakes with massive you know beaches and things on them no we just got a lot of rivers a ton of small rivers that you can navigate with but uh, such as the Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and Mississippi rivers that provided easy access to big cities such as Cincinnati and New Orleans. New Orleans. New new Orleans. Orleans. And Cincinnati. <laughs> so, is there something in Kentucky's water that has caused the bourbon industry to flourish? In yes. fact, there is. The <laughs> state. It's sits, we, yeah. we. It's what we use. Everyone else uses fluoride.
0: Crack. We put crack in our
3: water. Have been for centuries. More
2: Sprinkle a little crack. A little new one. Yeah. The state sits atop vast deposits of blue limestone, which filter out hard iron and impart sweet-tasting calcium and magnesium. To this mm. day, you can go to an open stream in Kentucky, and it will taste better than 90% of tap water in the country because of the limestone filters. Because the limestone filters out unwanted minerals. Well, I mean, you can do that if most of our water wasn't tainted from coal runoff cool. and yeah. Yeah. straight pipes. <laughs> You if could, you actually yeah.
1: found a good spring that wasn't ruined, you'd have really. to get deep Fresh back right in. Out of the mountain. Yeah. You'd
2: have to get deep back in, like Daniel Boone National Forest, and maybe you could. Pretty do much. that. Or, or find a spring that comes straight out of the hills. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So, yeah, uh, a simple tasting guide for the savvy drinker is what was talking about that.
1: Uh, it was, that that guy wrote that book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Bourbon um, yeah. curious is the start starting title of that book, which I was like, ha. Huh. <laughs> Bourbon. <laughs>
2: Kentucky's wide temperature swings from chilly winters to hot summers are also... In the same month. (laughs) Yes. As it turns out, in the same month. In June. Yeah. Are also conducive to producing bourbon because they cause charred oak barrels, which give the spirits its amber color and distinctive taste, to alternatively absorb and release the whiskey because it causes the contraction and expansion of the wood, pouring it. And that's great. Like, if you can see some, some of the planks from a bourbon barrel... Uh, peeled off, you can see the lines that show year year on yep. year how deep into the wood that the bourbon actually yep. went. You can get like a,
4: this little red line that goes deeper than the char, but it shows how deep the bourbon went
2: over the time it was in that barrel. Yeah, uh, we have the ideal climate to age bourbon, probably says Russell. Uh, you need the hot summers and cold winters so that that wood can breathe and the whiskey can move in and out of it, and that is crucial to it.
3: Yeah.
1: So yeah, it, this uh, this episode is just a love letter to Kentucky. Sorry guys, um, <laughs> to everyone else out you're there. You're welcome. Yeah. Sorry. And we you're gave welcome. you bourbon. You let us have this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a lot of good uh, other Thanks. things going on. <laughs> so we let got
4: us, horses let us and the bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. Let us enjoy them. Basically. Um, okay. Oh, I did
2: hear. Oh, did anybody hear who won the uh, oh, Belmont? No. By the way. No. It was it was I a still. horse made of bourbon? <laughs> Oh, I thought you were gonna tell us. Uh, you were just actually asking. We have no idea. No.
4: Oh well,
2: crap. Uh, I thought you were gonna, gonna
4: say another tab here.
1: Um. Okay. So we did. This is kind of brief, but um, anybody who hears of bourbon will hear the name Pappy Van Winkle. So uh, maybe not everyone, but
0: uh, no, you heard. It's, long enough, it's you, pretty. You
1: will. Yeah. It, it's it's fairly known, I think. But um. This is just some bullet points, uh, real quick. So, um, this is also from liquor.com. There was a there's some good sources on there. But, um, so it's it's known as one of the finest bourbons in the world. Uh, any bottle of Pappy Van Winkle is a rare find, and what's unknown is how many cases are available each year. While most bourbon is made from a mash of corn, rye, and barley, the Van Winkle recipe calls for a sweeter mix of corn, wheat, and barley malt. Um, the wheat allows for more graceful aging. Pappy Van Winkle isn't just a catchy name. He was the family's pioneering um, patriarch. The Bourbon icon started out as a liquor salesman in the late 1800s and later ran his own distillery.
0: Uh, I'm, you got tired, like no, yeah, this stuff sucks. You're going to my way.
1: Uh, I'm going to say the name of this company. Sazerac. Wrong. Sazerac. The Sazerac Company now produces Pappy Van Winkle's Bourbon at its Buffalo Trace Distillery, uh, but the original recipe is still used. The thirteen-year-old oh,
0: Buffalo old... Trace Distillery. That place sounds familiar. Yeah.
1: <laughs> familiar, yes. Yeah, if we were doing video, I've got my Buffalo Trace hat on right now. Um, <laughs> the thirteen-year-old Van Winkle Family Reserve Rye Whiskey was the first premium-aged rye whiskey on the market, which I didn't know that, so that I thought that was kind of cool.
2: And there, there was some great uh, controversy a few years ago with uh, some extremely old bottles of Pappy fifth, down at sure. Buffalo Trace. Yeah. I guess they're still missing. I haven't actually looked up an update to this story because uh, they put in to be reimbursed, I guess, from their insurance company. Your wedding
0: was a wild time. I will say nothing about what happened. Right about the
2: (laughs) time. It it was within a few weeks of our wedding, actually, that... um, A massive amount of extremely old Pappy Van Winkle bottles just vanished from Buffalo Trace.
0: I would neither confirm so, nor deny anything. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I can say it's assumed that they were not stolen. That they have, if you want to look at it innocently, that they have been misplaced somewhere on the property, mm. and that they will stumble back across it at some point. Uh, but it then uh, I can it, people say uh, that they just hid it for insurance reason,
4: uh, reasons i can unequivocally say that those bottles were stolen or barrels at that point it wasn't even in yeah, it was barrels. yeah it was barrels those were stolen they know who did it and i think they have pressed charges have oh okay charges at this point Ooh. yes eric
0: c con
2: it, it was, was eric c, c. Khan. <laughs>
4: Yes, oh, but, that's, just,
0: that's a that's, a, that's it's a like a deep joke.
1: Air. That's a deep that's inside a deep, joke. That's not only a Kentucky thing. That's an Eastern Kentucky thing.
4: Yeah, it was it was an inside job. Okay, and it was an inside job. Ooh. It was inside job. Yeah, Damn, uh, t- and so I don't know how much is publicly Van, known, but Van
0: Winkle uh, Eleven was an farm. inside job. Happy's <laughs> <Jesus>. eleven.
2: Happy's <laughs> eleven. <laughs> that sounds a little <laughs> racist. <laughs> Anyway,
1: <laughs> moving on, moving right. on yeah. Um, I, this kind of actually goes away from Buffalo Trace as well. Uh, we're going to talk about, just again briefly, the Bourbon Trail.
4: So before we move on, let me go ahead and say I'm sitting less than okay. 10 feet. Oh, oh right, there. right. Sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting less than 10 feet away from some 13-year-old Pappy Rye, some 15-year-old Pappy Some twenty year old, twenty three year old Pappy Van Winkle, and I'm talking like a case of each. My gosh! Why aren't you drinking that right now? (laughs) I know, right? It's because I have more self control because I'm afraid of what this guy will do to me. (laughs) Why did they um, let you in that room? What's likely my future brother in law is um, in the uh, in the bourbon industry. To a certain extent. I don't know what how much I can say without, you know.
0: Let's it's not name names. Let's well, not implicate okay. anybody.
4: He he's in he he does bourbon and does it well. And there are cases <laughs> of Pappy Van Winkle back behind me that he did not steal from from the distillery. Let me say that much at least. Okay. Well that would have uh, been some doing to steal the and barrels, barrels and bottle it. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's true. And different.
4: so uh there are, there are cases of Pappy and hopefully um I'll get into some, maybe some Weller bourbon mm. later on tonight or some good mm. stuff. You know, mm, I, nice. if you got to have a brother-in-law that does some good things, bourbon's not a bad thing to, to yeah.
2: have. <laughs>
0: Uh, Good old Peter Weller. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Let's let's learn a little about the bourbon trail.
1: Yes. Uh, so in 1964, Congress officially mm. recognized bourbon's place in our history and our future by declaring it a distinctive um, product of the United States. Or as we like to say, America's official native spirit. Wow! Woo-hoo! This is all from Yay. the Bourbon Trails official website, by the way. So when it gets cheesy, I'm sorry. Um, today, bourbon is a signature industry that helps create 9,000 jobs, generates more than $125 million in tax revenue each year, and is a growing international symbol of Kentucky craftsmanship and tradition. I would agree with that. It is um, nice
2: when we go international. Yeah. You don't have to say you're from the US. You can oh I'm from Kentucky. Oh bourbon, bourbon. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'd it rather does. be known for that. Yeah, let me yes. shake your hand. Thank you.
4: <laughs> so when when I travel, you know, I may end up in a hotel bar with somebody that's that's there from Japan and they
2: know exactly where
4: Kentucky is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're consuming the most
2: it's of true. the bourbon that's being produced. Mm-hmm. In fact, and in And they'll Kentucky, be drinking, you know,
4: Buffalo Trace. Or what What surprises the heck out of me is uh, how well uh, Maker's Mark is received. Oh, yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, really? That's what you're
2: really looking for? Makers, that, they they've were, got
1: the branding down because of the, the wax and stuff that they do. You know, they were like about
2: the, to start watering the makers down so they could get more over there. Yep. And, then, I mean, Buffalo Trace just <laughs> started, they're like, we're just going to ramp up production. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know why you guys are having trouble with this. Just <laughs> make more.
2: <laughs> yeah. Turns the out The only we'll problem do. is it takes years. I know, years. Yeah. I know. And I just, in 10 years, we'll have more to sell to them. <laughs> but, no, it's actually, like, been a detriment to us here in Kentucky because of its yep. popularity internationally. It's actually harder for us to get some bourbons in Kentucky than <laughs> it is anywhere else in the world. You're which like, is whoa. one of
4: the big reasons that a uh, you know the the my probably future brother-in-law he and I were talking today and we were talking about why why the bourbon industry probably wouldn't be as strong as it is currently in about 4 years. Um you know most bourbons are going to be aged about 4 years or at least the good bourbons are going to be at least 4 years aged in Kentucky. Um, and we were talking about, you know, what's the future look like? Is it, is it going to be bourbon? And it probably won't be. In four years, bourbon's probably going to be old news. And he was saying that it's probably going to be tequila, of all things. Right, that's not. going to be the next beverage of choice, is tequila. And that's going to be the next beverage of, you know, high dollars. Uh, currently, we're paying thousands of dollars for a bottle of Pappy. In the near future, we may be paying thousands of dollars for a bottle of not patron because that's not really yeah but uh but of something good at least
0: um
4: all
1: right so speaking of the kind of international stuff i guess i'm trying to tie it in it's not working uh bourbon tourism yeah bourbon tourism is skyrocketing also uh, nearly two and a half million visitors from all 50 states and 25 countries to the world-famous Kentucky Bourbon Trail um, within the last five years alone, which is kind of nuts. Um, Kentucky's bourbon distilleries take their role in Kentucky communities seriously and continue to invest in environmental, philanthropic, and alcohol responsibility efforts to ensure the industry's sustainability for generations to come. In 1999, the Kentucky Distillers Association Form the Kentucky Bourbon Trail to give visitors a first-hand look at the art and science of crafting bourbon, and to and educate. also to them, make
4: lots of money. Yeah, because
1: well, yeah, obviously, um, but also to educate them about the rich history and the proud tradition of this spirit. So you know, just
0: say I looked at when I was looking to go buy uh, bourbon this week. I question the alcohol responsibility efforts of one uh, old granddad and
2: their gigantic <laughs> bottles. Those gigantic plastic the jugs? The plastic one, yeah. 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 It's like <laughs> stupid big. So there's something we've been floating around here. Casey may be the pioneering person on this. Uh, there is Nerdtacular, which many of us will be at. But we wanted to put a feeler out to see how you all might feel about a have a drink group outing on the bourbon trail it is some traveling for a a lot of people and we just happen to we live less than two miles from a stop on the trail it's
0: it's not very difficult for us yeah it's it's easy
2: but maybe we could take the kentucky thing (laughs) a weekend a long weekend sometime if people would be interested and as a group hit the hit the trail
1: now, the one thing it doesn't bring up about the trail, which we didn't know, honestly, until we did get married at Buffalo, Buffalo Trace, is that you do have to actively, um, like, I, I don't know, pay or, there's something you have to do to to stay part of the trail, officially. You, it's
2: marketing. Yeah. You have to pay for marketing and surrender a portion of your proceeds right. to the organization. Right. And then you have Buffalo Trace, who was, you can, it's up to the distillery if they stay on the trail. And right. Buffalo Trace decided they did not need the marketing assistance from being on the trail. So they left the trail. And everyone still thinks they're part of the trail, but they are not.
1: Yeah, they're not they officially. still stop by
2: all the time to do tours. And they're like,
0: yeah, sure. whatever. Yeah, and their tours
2: are free, unlike many of the other. The trail ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah I, I mean, and the thing is, people still recognize Buffalo Trace as a brand, even though they're not official on the trail. Um, well,
4: that's that's one of the big things is, so Buffalo Trace may not necessarily be a huge whiskey in its own regard, or at least a highly sought-after whiskey, but at Buffalo Trace, they make a lot of amazing oh,
2: yeah. whiskey. Yeah, the so, Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. Eagle Rare is by far one of my favorites. Yes.
4: And Blanton's. It,
2: oh, the Blanton's.
0: <laughs> they they have a lot of cool stuff out of Buffalo Trace. They, I, I feel like they're not hurting. Yeah, no. In I, terms of all the... And it's not known to
1: be the best bourbon in the world. It's just like it's it's also known as just it's kind of like how we say like the beer ass beer. But Buffalo yeah. Trace is
0: bourbon ass bourbon. Yeah, it's it's yeah. the
1: affordable like I'm gonna go get a good bottle of bourbon. <laughs>
2: it's not. I think uh, a lot of the things with it, it's not an old brand. Yeah. Because they created the that label when like the '90s, I, that I Buffalo remember. Trace was mm-hmm. created as a label, mm-hmm. but the recipe is a much older recipe. Right.
4: Yeah. Well, and. So even though Buffalo Trace isn't necessarily an old bourbon or it's not necessarily an amazing bourbon, you know, they make things like Pappy Van Winkle, like we talked Mm -hmm. about just a few minutes ago. And that's where it's made. And so even though it's not on the uh, bourbon trail, it's still an amazing whiskey producer. Mm -hmm.
0: Can I just so, say there's something great about bourbon tra- about uh, bourbon distillery tours and you go out, walk into their barreling areas and you're just like
4: that smell oh my oh, gosh it smells so good. Yeah. Seriously, I would
2: have a bedroom in a bourbon <laughs> rickhouse.
1: Right. Oh my god. They need gosh. to have a candle with that smell.
2: So amazing. That's yeah, we need Yankee Candle get on that. Why do we not have that already? <laughs> yeah. Bourbon
4: all rickhouse. That's all right. a that's a candle flavor. It's so so like some of the best bourbons out there according to Forbes and their oh, 2017 list are, like are listed this. here. Yeah. I
2: like this list. I, yeah i think it's
4: pretty good there are there are some that i really do enjoy on this list but there are some that i'm looking at it and thinking I question really a couple
2: does. of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so
4: four roses their yellow label even four roses doesn't believe this is their best bourbon no they I actually was... <laughs> tell you when you go on the tour that yellow label is a mixing bourbon they want you hmm. to put it with coke because they know it's not that great gotcha but if you're going to mix it, you know, Four Roses, yellow label, High West, Yippee Ki you know, High West, I'm okay with. There, there's some decent, bir- decent drinks that they come out with. Here's the next one though, Henry McKenna. Oh the Mc- Steve, McKenna.
2: <laughs> Steve McKenna, Steve <laughs> McKenna.
4: Yeah, Henry McKenna is actually really good. Their ten year is amazing, and yep. so I'm, I'm really behind this one. And that's the one.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, Henry McKenna is the one that they actually drink on that modern rogue episode. Um,
2: oh yeah, When he pulls out the bourbon. It was one of his favorites. Yeah. And, uh, Jim was over and brought a bottle of 10 year Henry McKenna mm. broke that out. Um, that was when you guys when, were up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's right. And my head, I'm like, saying, which one was it that he brought out? Because it was delicious. <laughs>
4: So the next two, the Rittenhouse Rye and the Whistlepig Old World Cast Finished Rye 12-Year. I've not had either one of those, but I do know between Rittenhouse and Whistlepig, I think the namesake is more than what the bourbon is. Mm. Um, from the other bourbons that I have of theirs, I think it's more of a, a you know, this is a brand. Mm. Uh, Old Forester, I'm completely, I'm 100% behind. I love and Old Forester. They're the original. proof? Yeah. The 80, the... 80 proof Old Forester, that is my. So they usually say four roses for a mixing bourbon. Old Forester 80 proof is my mixing bourbon. Like Forester was for it, putting into yeah. a Coke. Um, but they're saying the Old Forester 1920 Prohibition style. Not had it. Although the Mitchers, the the next one, Mitchers, uh, US One American whiskey. That is, if I were going to go and say, hey, this whiskey tastes the closest to Peppy Van Winkle, hmm. to me that's the one. Hmm. And so if you're looking for something that's easily found on most shelves, at least where we shop in Kentucky, um, it's easily found. I don't know about the rest of the U S but, uh, Mitcher's us one. That's the bourbon that I would go to. That tastes most like Pappy next is Sazerock 18 year, um, Kentucky straight rye whiskey, George T stag. Oh my (laughs) goodness. George T stag is some amazing bourbon. Hmm. Um,
3: I've old weller
4: yes please antique originals the one that they have here the 107 bottle colonel e h taylor jr barrel proof version woodford double
2: oaked yeah. i'm on the fence with that one it's an <laughs> so, amazing dessert bourbon like it is, it is phenomenal for dessert it's pretty good um
4: and and here's a key uh with the next one old Grandad hunter proof it's a good bourbon but if you want there there's a there's a split between the old style of bourbon and the new style of bourbon. The old style of bourbon isn't very smooth. <laughs> no. <laughs> um,
0: no. No.
4: A little it, lighter it's fluidy. About getting you drunk. And old granddad, any type of bourbon that says old or um there's some other there's some other words there. Old Forester, old grandad, um, Oh,
0: bro. Ye <laughs> old grandad. So, uh
4: those are going to be Pretty rough, but they're (laughs) also very well made. So I'll say that much. Elijah Craig Small Batch, 12 year, uh delicious. Yeah, it's good stuff. This list has Buffalo Trace standard on there. And I think Buffalo Trace is an amazing mixing whiskey. I think it's a really good uh drinking whiskey. If you're gonna mix it with Coke, it's great. Uh, it all-purpose. Purpose. It's, yeah, it's yeah. When
1: it's you were, when you cut out, we, we were saying that that's the beer-ass beer of bourbons. Like it's just a ass yeah, It's bourbon.
2: <laughs> it's a good utility bourbon to keep around because it's good for yes. everything. Also, it's
0: yeah, uh, also surprisingly affordable.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So I always keep there are three bourbons that I always
4: try to look for. Um, if I'm at a bar or whatever. Uh, number one is definitely Buffalo Trace. Number two is well, number one is probably Maker's Mark. That's the one that's most readily available mm, yeah, most yeah.
0: places I go. I don't uh, have to look for that one. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> and number it
4: will be two there. is uh, Buffalo Trace, and mm. I think if I'm going to mix a whiskey, if I'm going to make some sort of mixed drink. With a whiskey, that's the good way to go. And number three is Knob Creek, which isn't on this oh, list. Yeah. But yeah, Knob Creek, the other one about that that I usually yeah. go to.
2: That yeah, the fact that Knob isn't on here is a little what? off. Uh, when I when I spent my tour in Northern California, locked away in the mountains for a while, there was a bar that the surrounding like three counties had access to. There was only one mm. bar, and the only actual bourbon that they had was a bottle of Knob Creek, which I proceeded to basically stake claim to for my sake.
0: <laughs> you came in. No, that's mine. Uh, yeah, I came in. It bottle, was just... You just keep it here.
2: <laughs> I was like, that's my bottle. Um, I'll just be coming in and paying for it little by little. <laughs> uh,
4: the, the last one on this list, I think, is an important thing to look at. And so, this list is listed... This list is listed. Uh, This list is uh, said to be Forbes 2017 list of best bourbons. But this last one's not necessarily a straight bourbon like what I would normally think of. Um, And it's a rye. Uh, It's the Van Winkle Family Reserve rye 13 year. And this rye is specifically probably the best and most affordable out of all of the Pappy Van Winkle series or the Van Winkle series, if I were going to look for a.
0: The Van Winkle collection.
4: The, <laughs> if I were going to look for one spirit out of the Van Winkle group, it would be the Rye. And it is the most affordable, the most readily available of all of them. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy to get to because you're not going to go walk into a bar, or you're. Sorry. You're not going to walk into a a liquor store and find just a Van Winkle on the shelf. And if you do buy it immediately because <laughs> the resale value yeah. is better than the, um, the retail value. Mm-hmm. But if you were able to, to find this or track it down in a restaurant, get a glass of it. it. It's going to be somewhere around $20 a glass and it's worth it. It's well worth it. Um, it's not like the 3540, the glass that you're going to look for when you're buying 15 year old Pappy Van Winkle. Uh, but it's a very good whiskey.
0: All right, yeah, that's there is one other whiskey that i uh, one other bourbon that i I tend to try to grab every so often if i if I can uh it's not on the list, but it's uh um so what was it i i i was i always trying to think of oh basil Hayden hmm. I always enjoy that for a nice uh mm-hmm. it's a different style of whiskey like it's it's a smoother uh, very very smooth very vanilla y kind of like if you're trying to get someone into bourbon mm. it's a good starting point right. yeah. Like I would grab people, like I'd find a bottle somewhere here. No, no, no. smell, smell this. This smells delightful. I know. <laughs>
2: so why don't we hear about some imposter bourbon?
0: <laughs> they are technically bourbon. They're technically correct. Legally, yeah. They're legally uh, correct. So I wanted to find a list of some of the bourbons that you might find. They're made outside the outside of Kentucky. You know, the homeland. Uh, If we want, we can go into a little bit. I've got the article up over here I pulled it off of. Uh, It's from like an old 2015 uh, Eater article. But they had a list of like 18 uh, bourbons you can find outside of Kentucky Mm. or made outside of Kentucky. So out in Colorado, you've got uh, Breckenridge bourbon. Sure. That name sounds familiar. Just a
4: little Um, bit.
0: But you've also got uh, in Illinois or Illinois, (laughs) uh, you've got a couple. Hmm?
4: Illinois.
0: Illinois. Uh, in Illinois, you've got Few Bourbon.
2: Uh, few. Not one, but from, Few. Um,
0: from Few Spirits, F E W. And then you've also got Koval, single barrel bourbon from Koval Distillery. Apparently, they utilize organic two grain mash bill of corn and millet, a cereal grain prominent in Asia and Africa. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> indeed uh, indubitably in iowa you have the cleverly named iowa bourbon <laughs> that's from cedar ridge apparently they also op- uh, operate a vineyard and a winery uh you've got in michigan uh grand traverse bourbon they age their bourbons for three years and three months in full-size 53 gallon barrels stored in climate controlled this says Rick House. yeah okay mm-hmm. uh my brain wants it to say Brick House, so it can be a brick <laughs> house. house. <laughs> so it can be Mighty Mighty. Keeping all the bad air out. Um,
2: so, Michigan, I can't help but bring it up. Casey was the one who grabbed a bottle, and I haven't been able to find a bottle since. Um, but we tried the beer barrel from New uh, New Holland. New Holland. And it's they uh, the dragon's milk is aged for like what is it two to four months or something in bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels. So, but then they they uh, just basically brewed whiskey and put it back in those barrels. So it's not technically bourbon, but it is delicious. (laughs) It it is. Um, it's a whiskey.
4: It's technically still a whiskey. Uh, but because it's got an additive in it at that point, it's not necessarily a bourbon and a straight And it's second bourbon use. Whiskey. I'll
2: give you an additive. Actually, no, that's like third <laughs> use on the barrel, <laughs> technically. Uh, <laughs> which I'm okay with. I think that's a good way to go. But yeah, that's just uh, good if you can find it.
0: Also from Michigan, uh, Journeyman Distillery Featherbone bourbon.
2: All right, then. Nice. Featherbone.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, there's nothing that interesting about them. They have a picture of some of their stuff. It looks like, uh,
2: New York seems to have quite a few.
0: New York really jumped on making bourbon outside of Kentucky. So in New York, you've got Hill Rock estate bourbon. And they also like, that's an $85 bottle of bourbon. It looks like not worth it. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> I don't know if
4: it's not, but it's not Hill, from Kentucky. It's from so. the, yeah. It's
0: from the Hill Rock estate distillery. Uh, unique for several reasons there were a small number of distillers which floor malts their own grain in traditional scottish fashion
4: okay do you know the difference between floor malted grain and normal malted grain no so floor malted means that you've got basically this giant um floor level system and instead of putting grain into like these vats to malt it you would malt it like laid out in order to dry it. You don't put it into like a, a, what would be very similar to a dryer, you know, where it kind of rotates and the grain kind of flies around inside and gets heated up. You put it on the floor of this facility and it kind of dries naturally a little bit more natural.
3: Hmm.
0: Well, in addition so to, go. to floor, uh, four months, their own grain, traditional Scottish style, they, Grain, which they also grow themselves. The bourbon is Solera aged, continuing to incorporate bourbon. They distill and age in small barrels into Oloroso sherry casks, which contain mature seed bourbon. It's mm. a whole lot here that just sounds like not bourbon, but you know, whatever. Uh, there's Hudson Baby Bourbon from Tuttle House. Tuttle House. That it looks more correct than what I was about to say. Tuttle House Spirit. Turtle Hound, whatever. Screw <laughs> these guys. Uh, uh, Tuttle Town, Tuttle uh, Tuttle Town uh, Spirits is the first whiskey distiller in New York since Prohibition. Oh, wow, well, all right. Uh, it's made out of a hundred percent corn. Jesus. Uh, <sighs> all right, and it's ninety-two proof.
3: Uh,
4: so the only problem with with making a hundred percent corn whiskey is that you've got it, by necessity. You have to put some sort of enzyme back into it, a chemical enzyme, Mm -hmm. which will um, convert the corn starches into uh, sugar. If you were doing it with corn and barley, the barley automatically has naturally an enzyme in it that would convert that. Mm -hmm. But since you're doing 100% corn, you've got to put a chemical component in there in order to change the starch into sugar.
0: All right, well, and let's see. There's the McKenzie bourbon from Finger Lakes Distilling. Uh, Northern New York. Yeah, after an initial aging period spent in small barrels, McKenzie bourbon is finished in Chardonnay wine cask and bottled at 91 Proof. Nice. Widow Jane Heirloom Bourbon. (laughs) Uh, Let's just
2: get through some names here on these.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania, they've got Wiggle Organic Pennsylvania Bourbon. (laughs) All right, obviously.
4: Wiggle,
2: okay. wiggle with
0: it. Texas, you got a couple. The Garrison Brothers Texas Straight Bourbon, uh, and the first legal distillery in Texas. Garrison Brothers uses a range of bourbons. Hmm. Uh, hmm. then there's uh Yellow Rose Outlaw Bourbon from Yellow Rose Distillery. Also uses 100% corn. Uh, Virginia Bowman Brothers, uh Bowman Brothers from A. Smith Bowman Distillery, and actually runs a first run. Uh, Distill it via parent company, Sazerac, and the Buffalo Trace Distillery. In Washington State, you have Dry Fly Washington Bourbon 101 uh, from Dry Fly Distillery. Uh, Down in West Virginia, you've got Yearling Bourbon from Smooth Amber Spirits. Uh, Wisconsin has V-Bourbon Whiskey from Yahara Bay Distillers. And in Wyoming, you've got... The also cleverly named Wyoming Whiskey (laughs) from Wyoming Whiskey.
2: (laughs) Not very inventive on their names there.
0: But yeah, those are some some bourbons. I may want to try them at some point just to see what they taste like to be made outside of...
2: We have an imposter bourbon on our shelf, but it's actually pretty good. From Ohio. From Ohio. It's close, but still not from Kentucky.
0: All right. Well, that about... Wraps it up for bourbon. Anybody have anything else they like to say about it?
2: bourbon. It's the water of life,
4: <laughs> Aquavita. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in what everybody's drinking tonight.
2: Oh uh, yes, what? Well, let's uh, let's get into that. Drink with me, friend. Need a. It's uh, misleading.
0: Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, things, yeah. We need a more know, we black
2: cork. we don't have cork, a. Just a good.
1: <laughs> we'll have to get. That'll be another thing to add later on. Yeah, I've I've already done a second pour of mine uh, i'm on
2: pour three i yeah. like i'm on i've just been doing little pours as we're going i'm just like eh, well, a yeah, little, no, like more, little, little more a little more a little more um <laughs> i can't afford it <laughs>
1: <laughs> fair enough uh so this was actually on that that uh that forbes list um i am drinking the woodford reserve double oaked uh and it is a very dessert um i forgot how smooth it is like just nah. oh it's it's just it's delicious it, it, it's the dessert of, of of bourbon. It's fine.
2: According to the bottle, this exceptional bourbon has been crafted in a unique double barrel process. First matured in a custom crafted barrel, and then rebarreled in a heavily toasted, lightly charred barrel for finishing. It features a wide range of rich, complex oak character.
1: That's about right. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's ninety. It says ninety point four proof. Um, obviously from Woodford Reserve out of uh, Frankfurt, Kentucky. Um, yeah, it's just it's so good. It's one of my favorite bourbons. I think. Um, now we had a we had a couple of options to choose from, and I thought about going with the Ohio one, and I was like, that just feels wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, this Woodford makes now. Of course, Woodford's probably one of the other names people know of besides Maker's Mark. I think like big big names, but mm. um, and and some of their stuffs kind of um not super pricey but it's definitely going to be more than just getting a bo- bottle of buffalo trace um but yeah they they make really good stuff um this one and and their rye are pretty good all
0: right all right uh well i was going to pick up a bottle of that uh bourbon i mentioned earlier the basil hayden uh however i get down to the liquor store See a buddy of mine that works down there, and I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" Blah 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 blah. I'm gonna go pick up some bourbon. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I just got like I just finished off a bottle of uh, Larceny. You should give that a try." All right, <laughs> so I, I bought it, you know, just just on that recommendation. This is a really nice. This actually is a really nice bourbon. It's got it's got a nice sweetness. It's it's like 92 proof, so it's got got some bite to it, mm. but it's 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 been really nice um uh, it's from uh believe me uh, from heaven hill distillery uh there's a bottle description, but it's more about the guy that made it than it is about oh. the actual the actual bourbon
1: and just out of curiosity so how, like are we all drinking it straight i assume
0: uh I started out with uh with like one cube of ice okay, and yeah. then that melted, and I've just been doing right. Just straight shots.
4: Which is, if I have a high-proof bourbon, that's my favorite way to drink it. Mm-hmm. But I, I can do bourbon a
2: lot of different ways. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just doing it straight this time. I usually yeah. will do bourbon with, like, I one well. cube. All right. Um, anything else about yours, Justin? No, uh, other right.
0: than it's good. <laughs> Although, bourbon is a difficult thing sometimes for me to drink because uh, really flares up heartburn. Oh. It does.
2: Yeah. Mm. Alright, well, I'm also having a bourbon that was on that list. I'm having the, never know how to say it, the Mictors, or...
1: We said, we've been saying Mictors. I don't know.
2: Not sure how to Still say Port. it. The US one. Yeah, and, it's the
1: very one that was on the list. <laughs> yes.
2: And it is delicious. Proof is 91.4. Uh, it's distilled by Mictors. I love this one. Casey, I believe you are actually the reason I have this bottle. <laughs> oh, Emma? Yeah. This oh, was good. uh one of your contributions as Liquor Fairy many a year ago. Uh, okay. It's a good bourbon. It really is. It's one of my favorites. No, it is fantastic. I really like this one. It is the closest to Pappy you can get on a normal shelf. But what are you drinking, Casey?
4: So I may not be doing a straight bourbon whiskey, but I am doing something that's the that same, <laughs> same run. Um, I'm doing the Pikesville Rye whiskey, which is very similarly aged, uh, very similarly made. Uh, comes in at 110 proof and also made by the Heaven Hill Distillery. Uh, but, you know, people hear Heaven Hill and they think, oh, that's that cheap rock yeah. gut well liquor. And it's not. It's, Heaven Hill does a lot of stuff. It just so happens that they do a very cheap whiskey with their name on it, yeah. um, which is which is a decently good whiskey, but it's you know it's well whiskey.
1: And Heaven but Hill Heaven Hill barrels are where Bourbon County Stout from Goose Island comes from. Yes,
4: and, and yes, there's a lot of folks that look after and and try to find the Heaven Hill barrels because they leave a lot of Heaven Hill in general leaves a lot in the barrel, and that's that's probably a big key is. If I'm going to make a bourbon county whiskey, I want there to still be some flavor left in the barrel instead of me making like a, you know, a 400 year old whiskey barrel and trying to pull out some flavor out of everything's already been extracted. I want something that's still got some left in the barrel. So that's that's kind of where it comes from. Awesome. So anybody else got anything that they want to add before we wrap up here? I think think it's going to be it. Been good <laughs> so you can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com you can follow us at haveadrinkshow on twitter instagram and facebook and if you go to haveadrinkshow.com you can go to the bottom and find our youtube episodes just click on those that youtube link you can go there and check out our youtube episodes where we're tasting all kinds of really good beers um every other all week
0: kinds of really bad beers depending on the <laughs> depending yeah. hey yeah. This, on the no
2: we scored big with that kona pack oh it was good mm. so uh my Spires. you know same guy that
4: does all this bourbon stuff we were out of the pool today, and he pulls out a, a six pack of the kona big wave and i'm like yes you have done well by getting <laughs> yeah, I've this i've had beer. this uh, i was frozen. wearing <laughs> Well, the good news, uh, I was wearing a Kona shirt today as well. so that was pretty <laughs> cool, too. You know, Kona Big wave shirt. So uh, we did well today. Uh, it was a good, good, good weekend, even though no holiday. But uh, I suggest going to the website, checking that out, and please, please, please rate the show on iTunes or your podcast or choice if it's got a rating system in it. Uh, rate the show there because it helps spread the word and it helps a lot of other people that may be interested in the same kind of topics as you understand what the show's about and uh kind of get involved
0: yeah Yeah. uh also don't forget you can tell us your favorite drink ask a question or just leave some general feedback just use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com you can also use the feedback page on the website we're always happy to get feedback we'd like to hear from you guys and if we've never heard from you before now's the time We'll
3: if take you haven't comments. written
4: in a while please go ahead and write a little bit because we always enjoy it like literally we it's kind of like you know you hear the we've got mail uh
2: bumper we just but, got, uh, a we <laughs> got a letter we love it really love it here's the mail it never this, fails when it comes it makes me so want to wag my tail. yeah, yeah. yeah. if that's that that's wasn't a meow. copyright thing <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, and all joking and fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Very important. Yes.
1: Um, so as mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a couple, uh, another video and audio episode coming up before we head to Nerdtacular. Um, so check us out in another couple of weeks for that next episode. Uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
0: I'm Justin Frazier.
4: I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm wasted on bourbon, but I'm Casey Price. (laughs) So we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.